Hello, and you're listening to How to Be an Opera Singer with Lessons in Your Own Shower. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, well, no, you're actually listening to Great Relationships. I'm Paul Moore here with Herman Even, and good Lord willing, we're pursuing the best in work, in life, and love. Right, thinking right relationships right now. And, and right now, I just simply have to confess, I've slept since the last time we mm-hmm. talked, and you were talking to me about my best life now. Yeah, in fact, we have a lot of options here in God's Word to see that. And you were telling me that God cares about my thinking, and I was a believer (laughs) when I was listening to you, and somehow I slept since then. I remember singing in the shower, and on my way to work, I didn't even remember what I was thinking anymore. What a typical statement. I I love that statement because that's just absolute proof of one thing that we talk about often, which is entropy. If you don't put any energy into what the change is or what you think you need to do in your life differently, if you don't put energy into it, it's going to go away. Is that why the Bible says renew our mind? Daily? Absolutely. Well, then, would you pray for (laughs) Okay, Lord, we thank you so much that you are the answer to the better and the best life. And it's all dependent upon how we think, whether we are going to trust you or trust ourselves. In your precious name, amen. Amen. So back to singing in the shower. Help me with the thinking. <laughs> what was it I forgot? I don't even remember the words. Well, what what we were doing last time is looking at Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and we... We're looking at what God has stated in that particular passage related to getting the best life. But if we back up from there, what we did, we said, just sit down and close your eyes and think about what would a better life look like for you. And that's a good exercise to do sometimes. Just sit down and go, okay, what would a better life look like? Once you have that, get a piece of paper and then write down all of the things that you were seeing. How were you, what we, what did you have? What type of relationships did you you have? Uh, what did you look like? What were the things that you owned in that better life? And once you had all of those, then we ask you, okay, take each one of those items and put them into four categories, things, physical, relations, and thinking. Okay, I remember this. Yeah, everything that could make my life better, and you had me put it into four categories. That's right. Things, physical, mental, and relationships or relations. That's right. So when you look at those four categories and you see where you have most of your items, then we can tell you whether you have a chance for a better life or not, because we asked you then to prioritize those four categories. And typically in working with people, almost inevitably, people immediately say, number four is probably things, right? And I say, oh, yeah, that's right. Number four, that's that's not going to be the top item. Whatever you have, we know from personal experience and from looking at other people's lives, that isn't what's going to make a life better. Each shiny object starts becoming less glossy over time. (laughs) So that's the first thing that you get rid of. Physical, yeah, it'd be great if I had better health, all this other stuff. Uh, If I had fewer pounds on me, uh, if I had hair or something. Yeah, (laughs) I had to go there. Okay. That's right. Uh, So that'd be nice, but that's actually the third of the four items. Okay. So it's either between relations and thinking as to what's the better life. Well, relationships come and go, but how you think 
stays with you. And that's the reason why we want to put thinking as the number one. If we don't get our thinking changed, we will not have a chance for this better life. And in fact, we went further than that. And that's the reason why now we come back to Second Peter chapter one, because we did the typical sales approach, you know, Billy Mays, you know, <laughs> well, you know, if you want a better life, you know, I'm, I can guarantee you a best life, you know, if you just read this. And actually, I'm not selling you anything because I'm telling you the truth. You told me last time we were together that God cares about what I think. And I was like, what? I never hear that from a pulpit. I'm sure there's lots of people that do say something about your thinking, but that fits into the clear model that we have about how thinking, feeling, and acting work together. And we are big believers that no matter what your feelings are, no matter what your actions are, it's being driven at some point by your thinking. If I am having good feelings, it's more than likely driven by my thinking because feelings are always responders. My feelings are responders to external events or my thinking about external events. It's definitely driven in some form to be a react and respond. You've got a lot of material on the website about this react and respond or choose and create lifestyle. That's in where? That chapter? would be chapter eight is where you can find it. Chapter eight, especially if we're talking specifically about the emotions, chapter eight, the first part of chapter eight, freedom from being emotion led. Okay, but right now we're talking more about God really does care about what I think and my thinking, right. my stinking thinking is what's keeping me from my best life. Right. Now. And the best life, here's the big idea that we wanted you to walk away with. When you look at Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, starting in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. Verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Those three verses are absolutely critical for us to understand. Back in verse 3, here's the thing that is extremely important for you to understand. His divine power, what? Has given to us, what? All things that pertain to life and godliness. What does that, what is God telling us with that verse? He's specifically saying to us that the abundant life is not something that you attain to. It's not something that you have to grab a hold of. It's something that God has already given to you as a believer. It's already yours. The issue is we don't believe that we've already got it. That's a very, very important issue for us to think about more constantly. Okay, so if it's been given and I'm not living it, then where is it? The standard analogy that I typically use, let's assume that I have a high-powered sports car and I have that high-powered sports car in my garage and I have the keys in my pocket and I'm walking everywhere and I'm walking down the road and you drive up and go, Herman, why are you walking? I know you have a car. And, and you go, and I say, uh, yeah, I've got the keys right here, but, you know, I, I just really don't believe that it's going to work the way I think it's going to work. 
so I'm just not going to drive it. That's almost the way we are with the Christian life. Yeah, I'm a believer, but I don't really believe that everything God says is the way it's supposed to work. I think my way is better. So I'm, I'm going to go walk rather than driving this high-powered sports car. That's the way we deal with what we have been given. We have been given the life of Christ. We have been given the Holy Spirit as the energy source to live that life through us, and yet we are constantly derailed because we're believing Satan, and Satan's going, oh, it really doesn't work that way. Has God really said the one and only strategy that he uses against us is the same strategy that he used against Adam and Eve in the garden? Is that really true? Did God really tell you that? That isn't really true. And therefore, we don't believe this verse right here. So many people believe that you've got to do something in order to get the abundant life. No, it's already yours. It's just a matter of what? Having knowledge of him, getting into his word and seeing who he is and doing life his way and obeying his way, that's how we end up having a better life. So there I am. I'm back to that fundamental choice. Trust God or trust something else. Absolutely. And if I'm not having that better life, then I'm probably not trusting God. So there you have it, right? Um, Taking the stress out of your relationships by making them great. Greatrelationships.com. That's where you're going to find this material that we're talking to. You can listen to a podcast or share it of the radio program, or you can go in and dig into the study guide and the videos. Chapter 8, you said, on the one stuff, and for my better life. This is chapter 10. Chapter 10. So there you have. We'll be right, right after this. Great definitions for great relationships. We have all asked, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is never abusing them for the wrong they did to you, ever again, not in thoughts, words, or actions. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. You know how you're always praying for a sign from God? That you're meant to go to seminary? This is your sign. Seriously, I'm here to tell you about Grace. Grace School of Theology. It's free grace based. The professors are world class. It's accredited, accessible, attainable, and oh yes, it's affordable. You can even complete your entire degree online, which means you don't have to move. Wouldn't it be great to have a deeper knowledge of the Word of God? Write this down, www.gsot.edu, gsot.edu, or call 877 476-8674 Now get going!
chapter 10 of the Great Relationships material at greatrelationships.com is where you can find the source material for this discussion. You can also re-listen to the program if you missed part of it or decide that you want to help someone else find their best life. Which brings me to a point, Herman. Before the break, you kept saying better, better, better. Where's this best? Yeah, actually, great catch. It is the best life because this is the life that God is asking you and I to live that he's already given to you. This is the best life. And and it goes back to the material that we were talking about last time. And you can see it in the study guide that everything is dependent upon God's definition of best, not ours, because God's definition of best may not fit what you think is best. Okay, but this is huge. This is huge. You're always telling me who's your who said so. That's right. And too often our who said so is ourself, which keeps you from the best life. And you are therefore being deceived. And that's one of the key elements that keeps us from this best life. What I was saying right before the break, we believe Satan in his lie that God really is withholding something. We don't believe that he has given We believe that we've got to do something additional in order to enjoy this abundant life. We don't believe that God has given this to us like he specifically says. Okay, so let me camp out here for a second, and I don't mean to sidetrack us, but we do that. We don't trust on the sufficiency of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's always Jesus and. No, it's not. It's Jesus. That's right. It is Jesus. Stop. That's exactly right. We don't want to believe that. We are so self-absorbed. I see this in my own self. I I try to study my own thinking to help me understand how depraved I am so that I might be able to speak about that to others. And then you might be able to link into it. I'm going, well, I can figure this out. And notice how easy that little statement is to become more self-dependent as opposed to Christ-dependent. One of the things that I've noticed in myself is the more I go, I can figure this out. It gets my brain thinking in a more worldly fashion, what I've learned in college, what I've learned in experience, how I see it going on in that way, as opposed to what's been happening with me here recently. And I've been really doing some real struggles in business, trying to figure out how to do some marketing stuff. And it's been so neat to be, instead of thinking that way, just go, Lord, I don't have a clue. I may have some experience in that area, but I want you to give me some insight. It's a vastly different mindset, a mindset that's basically saying, I'm going to trust what God brings in front of me. I don't have a clue. I'll trust you rather than I can reason this out. That's right. And that brings up another thing that we've talked about. We may never get to our topic today. (laughs) But I'm having fun. (laughs) Another thing that is so interesting that's really hit me uh, very strongly, Oswald Chambers made a little statement in one of his uh, books uh, that says, our understanding of God's word doesn't come from reasoning through it. It comes from simply obeying it. That's how God gives us greater insight to his word. We obey this part, and when we obey this, he therefore opens up some additional items for us to see. I want to throw one additional thing in that you have asked me to remind people of from time to time, and it's what we call the logical contradiction, because that fits into this in a a big way. Here's what's going on. Our mind is thinking about this best life, and we have a mindset on what the best life is, and God is saying, well, here's what the real best life looks like, and we're gonna share with you the uh, the steps onto this best life. But here's the logical contradiction that goes into our brain all the time. We think about, if I consider God, then 
logically and what I know about God, he doesn't make any mistakes. He's perfect in everything that he does. His thinking is crystal clear. He's never confused. He knows all things. Okay, that's God. And then I can start thinking, okay, what about me? Well, I make numerous mistakes. I know very little. I think unclearly I'm confused. Well, I've got a decision to make right now. Well, I'm just going to trust myself. I'm not going to trust God. (laughs) What a logical contradiction. That's exactly how life typically works, right? Okay, that's not the logical contradiction in my life. That's business as usual, which brings us back to the fundamental choice. Trust God, trust something else. That's right. Why do I continue this logical contradiction, business as usual, and then I look to the heavens and go, why is my life like this? It's because we go back to the thing we started with. Our thinking is messed up. Yeah, but then I go back to the four things you say to prioritize, right? That's right. right. So I'm looking at the heavens screaming, why is my life like this? And I don't say, I need to change my thinking. I think, you know what? If I lose 30 pounds, I'll be happier. Right. Or maybe if I buy that car, my life will be better. Exactly. Or or I need something else other than my spouse. Exactly. Or if my relationships were working better, I'd be happy. No, that isn't how it works. Your thinking is what is the big issue. And that's what God is wanting us to grab a hold of. So what we need to be thinking about, we need to be thinking about what God has laid out very clearly that this whole best life is summed up in eight steps and kind of review it and then hopefully get into talking about some details on each one of these steps in in a little bit. So again, let's go read some great uh, great news from God's Word. We read Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Now I want to read verses 5 through 9 to share with you the eight steps to personal transformation. So if you want to think of it this way, God is saying to us in verses 2 through 4, I have given you this best life. This best life comes to you through the knowledge of him who has, who ha, through the knowledge of Jesus your Lord, and the great things that happen in this best life, there are exceeding great and precious promises. You become partakers with the divine nature, and you escape the corruption that's in this world. Now, here's the steps. That's basically the way I would summarize and paraphrase this. So it's starting in verse 5 of 2 Peter chapter 1. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, You will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Wow, powerful, powerful, powerful passage for us to pay attention to here. There are eight steps in there that if you follow these eight steps, and we're going to unpack each one of those as we go forward, you will be able to transform your life, absolutely transform your life, because each one of these steps require you to think differently. And each one of these steps are in a progression. When you consider it this way, you can take all eight of these steps, and you can summarize it in these three words that we've talked about before. Learn, apply, serve. That's the model that now, these why steps... Why did I know you were going to say that? Now, <laughs> now, now, help me with this, right? I mean, 
if I'm going to the cupboard to get a bowl of cereal, right, I know that I go get the box of cereal, I get the bowl, I get a spoon, I get all this little stuff, and then I'm ready to go ahead and start doing it. So before you unpack these eight things, i got to ask you a question. Is it enough that I just think that I'm going to do this and read it and listen to you? Of course not, because that's exactly what the model says. Just think about the three words. Learn, apply, serve. Notice that there is a learning component, and we're going to see which words are part of that learning component. Then there's an application to yourself, and then there's an application to others through the serving. So that's how all transformation happens. Those are the steps that God has laid out for us. If we want to see this abundant life, this life that we have all things for life and godliness that he has given to us, if we want to see that start working out in our life, then these are the steps that we follow. Okay, so I'm thinking what's going on in the back of my mind is you've talked about how to meet goals before, right? If I make a decision, if I write it down, and ultimately if I get an accountability partner. So I'm thinking if I'm really looking at this, maybe my mind needs to be focusing during the break on who is competent counsel for me to talk about this decision and hold me accountable. So there you have it. Greatrelationships.com is the website. The material we're talking about is coming primarily from Chapter 10. Thank you, Herman. And before we go, I want to invite you to drop us a line at Great Relationships, P.O. Box 51836. That's Post Office Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now we'll be back right after this. Great quotes for great relationships. When stress hits the system, pathology overrides theology every time, unless you are sold out to the truth. Dr. Marlon Howe. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral eight relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. News headline, Great Relationships has eight steps for your best life now. <laughs> you are in the marketing marketing machine right there. 
<laughs> so these eight steps. We've been talking about this idea of transformation, personal transformation. That's what these eight steps are used for. The, the, the Lord has already renewed us made us a new creature. Uh, what we need to be thinking about is that new creation is a transformation. It's it's the concept of the caterpillar to the butterfly. It's a complete transformation. It's not the same nature. It's not the same form anymore. We want to list the eight steps. We're not going to be able to unpack any of them. We'll wait for next time to do, do that. But let's talk a little bit to make sure we understand that this best life is a life that's already ours it's already available to us. We aren't being transformed and utilized in this transformed nature unless we apply these eight steps. That's how I want you to be thinking about this. We do have this new creature. We, we are this new creature. But each individual action of our life, each individual obedience can follow each of these steps. Just because you follow these steps doesn't mean you only follow them one time. It's one virtue at a time. And you'll see what I mean by that here in a little bit. Through the renewing of our mind daily. That's right. So each time we obey something in God's word, we are going to be following these steps. So the transformation is like learning to even learning to play a, a sport. You know, you learn the fundamental steps and then you get more experience playing the steps and then you get more practice and it transforms you from playing tennis to being a tennis player right? There's a big difference. Uh, it's also like an oak tree. You plant an acorn, and that acorn requires the proper soil, the light, the water, the nutrients, and it transforms an acorn into a tree. That's what we're talking about with these steps. You have the mustard seed of faith. You don't need any more. God has planted the seed of the new creature and he's asking you to obey him through the knowledge of Jesus Christ through these steps. And it's going to grow that mustard seed of faith into this new creature, if you want to think of it that way. So these eight steps, I am dying, please. <laughs> we've, we've already listed them for you. <laughs> but here's, here they are again. That if, you, if you go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, you can see each one of them. It starts with faith. There is something about faith is the first step. And again, we're not going to unpack these. We're just going to list them for you right now. If I'm going to go from where I am in the way that my mind is to a new and living the, the divine in this divine nature that I already have, faith is the first step that we take. Then virtue. Uh, virtue, the, the, the values that we have. That's another way you can think about that word. Then knowledge about those values. Then self-control, taking what I've learned and apply it to myself. And then perseverance, persevering with what it is that I'm learning and I've decided to do in my life. Then the really cool step is godliness. And I'm not going to give that one away because you can go look up godliness and I would love to hear, have some feedback on what you think of godliness. And we'll share with you what we believe is a great definition of godliness. And then, then you end up in the last steps here, brotherly kindness and love. So let me list these steps in the learn, apply, serve model, okay? Please. So learn would incorporate faith, virtue, and knowledge. That's what I'd learn. I'm going to have faith in something outside of myself. I am going to assign or 
take on one virtue or value and some great places to look at the virtues is look at Jesus Christ, look at the fruit of the spirit, look at the Sermon on the Mount. That's some values or some virtues that you can decide. I want to put more of that into my life right now. And then I get some knowledge about it. So those first three are the learn part of the eight steps or this bridge to the best life. So faith, virtue, and knowledge is the learn phase. Self-control and perseverance are the apply phase. Okay, I've learned this, or I am learning this. I am getting more knowledge about it. I want to start applying it to my life. It's the very thing that you were talking about, Paul, about taking action. Uh, We too often think that we have a goal just because we have a metric. Uh, I have a goal to lose 10 pounds, let's say. Uh, That's not a goal until I actually start putting effort into it. It's a wish until I start putting action (laughs) with it. Okay, well, it's key on my wish list. That's right. So... Again, faith, virtue, knowledge is in the learn phase. Self-control and perseverance is in the apply phase. And then we have kind of a little bit of godliness into the next phase, a little bit of godliness in the apply phase. But let's just go ahead and lump it into the, uh, the uh, serve phase. God- godliness, brotherly kindness, and love into the uh, serve phase. I think you can split that uh, the godliness one there. So that's how you would be thinking about each one of these elements, the eight steps to personal transformation, and that would fit the learn, apply, serve. So here's the one thing I want you to remember. The one thing I want you to remember is if you want to transform life, you learn, apply, and serve. You learn to trust the Lord, do what he asks you to do, apply it to your life, and he will and go serve other people with it, and it's going to transform your life. Wow, you just really hammered it home, what you always say. Information is not transformation. Learning is not enough. Learn, apply, serve. Greatrelationships.com, the website. We'll see you next time. How's your day going, Barbara? I can't even begin to tell you how terrific my life is right now. What a coincidence. My life is just overflowing with blessings, too. Why, just yesterday, I found a $100 bill on the ground. That's great. I saved a cat that was stuck in a tree, and the owner was so thankful that she gave me a gift card to my favorite restaurant, Luigi's. Wow, I was in Luigi's just the other day and saved a man that was choking with the Heimlich Maneuver. He was so overjoyed that he gave me tickets to that new play that's been sold out for weeks. That's amazing. I've been wanting to see that play myself. Really? I asked my husband and he didn't want to go. Will you go with me? That would be great. Have you ever had days like this? (laughs) Neither have we. That's why we recommend great relationships. Join Herman as he offers you the opportunity to pursue the best for others, kindly, patiently, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. 